Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and get started now. Radio. This is Brandon, and I'm joined by the one, the only, Mountain Carl. Carl, how's it going, man? It's pretty good, especially since I'm so unique. There's only one and only one of me. Yeah, Carl of the Mountains with a K. Maybe yeah. in Germany that's uh, popular, but I don't know about the States. I was going to say it's a lot more popular in Germany. God, <laughs> I mean, like, you can definitely shake a stick and hit somebody with the name Mountain Carl over in Germany. No, what, actually, what the hell would that even? Google Translate, help me. Let's find out. What would that would that be? What in German? Yeah, I, I'm sure it's not complicated at all. I yeah. Uh, I wonder how that how you would scream that skiing down the mountain. Uh, let's find out. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> actually, it's really short. Uh, Berg Carl. Let's see if I can. <laughs> Big Carl. Okay, good job. Good job, Google. He sounded uh, kind of like Peter Griffin there. Yeah, big cow. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Yep. So, amazing uh, stuff. what you what you drinking over there, buddy? I am drinking a Texas Gold, which is a blonde ale by Three Nations Brewery, which is found in downtown Carrollton. Oh, I didn't know that was a Three Nations Brewery beer right down the street from me. Yep, it's pretty decent. Uh, they have a. A lot more other things uh, on tap and different specialty flavors as well. Um, there was one that was pretty good. That was a strawberry hefeweizen that actually wasn't sour and it wasn't too sweet. If you can make a strawberry hefeweizen that doesn't suck, then uh, then Berg Carl is all about it. <laughs> more German, please. Yes. Yep. I am drinking a uh, Pegasus City Brewery. Uh, high, which is in Dallas, and uh, it's the, I think it's High Point Porch Ale. Oh yeah, I've had High Point. It's good. Really good. I'm like, I'm, I'm actually really surprised. I, I had seen their their cans. They got this like matte texture on their cans that I don't like really love. You know, like it's almost if you touch it, it it's it's fine. But like if you put your like, like fingernails on it, it's almost like rubbing your fingernails on a chalkboard. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. I, it's not that that's not for me, but, but far be it for me to not drink a beer because the texture of the cans finish. So I will, uh, well, I will continue to enjoy it. Yeah. So maybe that a- aesthetic is not, uh, pleasing to the, the nails, but it is pleasing to look at because the artwork that they have on every can, I forget who the artist was, but I actually have been to, uh, Pegasus and they told me that, you know, they had, they'd only worked with one artist to develop, all the different uh, sort of logos of each different flavor of can. And there's one uh, that's called the Six Four Museum. 
or the six four, and it's basically the yeah. six four museum drawn, but it's it's got a very like noir type of uh, oh blue yeah. look to it, and yeah, I mean the the artwork is is stunning on all the cans that they do. It but, all looks good. Yeah, it is a very small place, but I could definitely see that place uh, growing quite a bit over the next few years. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to going in the near future. I'll tell you what doesn't taste good is the coffee I had at work today. Now, not not often <laughs> will I bore you with this story of work coffee. Yep. Uh, you know, it used to be like you'd pay, you know, 50 cents for a cup or whatever, and you'd get Maxwell Maxwell House, right, which <laughs> kind of tastes like rusted asshole. I hate What's I hate worse, Maxwell that House. or, or uh, Folgers? Oh, Maxwell House is way worse. Yeah, I, I, I don't I like. Is that is that a good is that a good take? I'm not really sure. Like, I've never done like a race between the economy uh, coffee brands. Nah, it's all good. It's it's a real take. I mean, there's there's so many different <laughs> brands that are popular now that I mean, unless you're just one of those uh, stuck up people who goes to Starbucks all the time. But you know, if if you're the ones that that you're trying to find out which Keurig, uh, you know k-cup or whatever is the best there's just there's so many to choose from now right and and also great great way to just absolutely body slam people to go to starbucks that listen to this show that's fine yeah <laughs> i'm called about as as j mac would say well they could just deal with it yeah <laughs> okay pretty good thank you for yeah. leader <laughs> thank you very much yeah th- that was uh it's even worse than the maxwell house i can say uh quite definitely uh, I got machine coffee, right? The mm-hmm. kind that you you go up and you press a couple buttons, you know, vending machine coffee, right? And uh, yep, it's not it's never like great, but whatever I was working with was clearly broken. You know, it was like one of the really fancy ones. It's like, hey man, how much milk do you want in your <laughs> coffee? How much sugar do you want in your coffee? How strong do you want your coffee? And I'm thinking to myself, this is gonna be the best machine coffee I've ever had. I mean, how many times has it asked you? all these different things with cool swirly graphics and everything like that. Right. So I pressed the button and I had to sit there for like four minutes while this thing spooled up and, you know, like grew the beans or whatever the hell it was doing. And then, uh, the coffee that I got looked disgusting. I mean, like it was, it, I almost drank it for a bit. Yeah. Right. But then I realized that I valued my life too much. It was like, so it's like mud water or something like that. Yeah, it, it looked like. Uh, oh no, I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna say that. The point is that it looked. I don't know. It, it looked like something that would come out of you know one of your directions if you had too much machine coffee. So, you know, so it was it was pretty awful. But uh, I would I would not recommend vending machine coffee even next to Maxwell House. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was that gross. says a lot. Yeah, and then uh, I will I will say the other thing that I was able to uh, to witness this weekend was a one year old's birthday party. Ah. So you know, I mean, that's it's fair. I mean, you, you get together for the the parents. I mean, the kid's not going to remember anything. But, right, uh, right. That'd be amazing Mount, if they did. Yeah, wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, Mountain girlfriend took uh, took quite a few excellent pictures of uh, of the kid. I, I I called him a newborn earlier today, and I got scolded. I was like he's he's one year old. And I was like, yeah, I mean, he can like he can drive, he can cook for himself. It's way <laughs> different. Um, they they got this thing for him. Uh, have you heard of the uh, the advent of the smash cake? No, I have not. And okay, I, please tell me exactly what you think it is. 
smash cake. Smash just just throw it just throw some stuff together and give it to me. What is a smash cake? Is it something that you can only give to like a one year old or a infant that sits in a high chair? I mean, you can give it to a grown ass man. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So a smash cake is essentially a cake that is made just for people to smash. They can smash their face into it. They could do whatever they want. Okay, that's fair. That's good. Okay. It's not a cake that you only eat during Super Smash Brothers. So <laughs> I would have also accepted that. But no, this is for a child uh, or a man. I mean, really, just uh, any <laughs> anybody needing any kind of catharsis involving cake. And you just uh, – they put it in front of the the one-year-old or whatever who, I mean, has <laughs> poor motor control and uh, just starts slapping the cake, hmm. you know, or like – you know, digging it. In this case, it was like a very methodical, like excavation of the yeah. cake. So uh, we got to uh, enjoy that, but it wasn't the cake that we as adults were going to eat. So I suppose the idea is like, you can have all the fun you want, uh, child, you know, but we're going to be slightly more hygienic and not eat the thing that your snotty hands just dug <laughs> Right. Yeah. And that's good. That's, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good idea, especially with something like this. I mean, like the, it doesn't cost anything, Mm. you know, I mean, it's a baby's cake. I was going to say that'd be messed up if it did, because usually I think most people, most normal people cut like a small little piece of cake and they're just like, okay, go to town. But, uh, but this makes more sense. And plus, depending on what nutrients or ingredients are part of it, if it's got very low sugar, you know, you don't want the baby to be like up all night or have an it's adverse reaction glass. to it. Glass. <laughs> I think I heard that's. I wow. heard that's what you feed him. I don't. I know. Is that? No, we're not going to do that. I think that's that was fine. in a David Lynch film. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, that actually makes sense. Also, there's a David Lynch thing on Netflix. We will talk about that later. Okay. But, um, okay. So you got a plan trip here, pretty or a, a trip plan? Yeah, I have wow, a plan trip. My, you have my a plan. plan my plan is always tripping. Yeah, as I as I trip through that transition. So you have a trip plan. Yeah, uh, coming um, up. So what's what's the deal? This is pretty exciting. When you told me about this. So uh, last Wednesday, I believe it was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, 2020 inductees were announced. Um, going back, I think several months ago, uh, the nominees were announced. There was a big list of nominees. So, uh, the inductees have been announced. The induction ceremony is happening May 2nd up in Cleveland, Ohio at the rock and roll hall of fame museum or outside of that at the theater, whatever it is. So, uh, I am actually a member of the rock and roll hall of fame. Um, and which is doesn't take, you just donate like a, a certain amount, you know, small amount if you want. Um, per year and then you're a member and so as a member i'll be able to uh basically whenever they do a pre-sale for rock and roll hall of fame members for this which i think it goes on pre-sale end of next month um i'll be able to get you know tickets for that and uh fly up there and do the whole thing so i've always wanted to go because me being a huge fan of music being a musician myself uh and just all the history with it uh going to that museum would be amazing one and two i'm definitely not going to miss this induction ceremony because the individuals the artists that got inducted for the 2020 uh class of the rock and roll hall of fame are depeche mode nine inch nails so those are my two favorite bands of all time 
Doobie Brothers, Notorious B.I.G., Whitney Houston, and T-Rex, which is the band, the classic rock band. I think most people know the song, uh, you know, Get It On, uh, Play a Gong, Get It On. (laughs) (laughs) It's so much different when I just say say it. Say it again slower. Yeah. Yeah, that was very good. Uh, No, the... uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who else so how many people on this list let's see notorious big has passed away right yeah notorious big passed away i mean i believe he was shot that right so uh, he's one of the rappers that that is no longer with us whitney houston's not on this earth everybody knows that uh but everybody else is is still here doobie brothers they're old as hell they're actually touring um later this year and michael mcdonald who was a member of the band at one point in time is is reunited with them on their tour so i might go see them i I think my dad is talking about wanting to go see them so we might go check them out i think in october when they come to dallas but um you know depeche mode have been nominated multiple times i think like four or five times nine Nails. this was i think their second or third nomination um and Really, it's funny because uh, Trent Reznor, who is Nine Inch Nails, he's kind of had comments over the years of just kind of like, you know, this this whole thing is a joke, you know, just like he said over, over with the Grammys. And I think everybody can agree with that the Grammys are a joke because it's all just a popularity contest of, you know, what's the latest thing that 12-year-olds are listening to or whatever on uh, TikTok, you know. So, uh, <laughs> but the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has definitely kind of changed their tune and they're they're definitely putting in more um, uh, legitimate and, and prestigious acts that really kind of cultivated and, and changed music and, and helped evolve music in so many different ways. And so last year, The Cure got inducted and uh, they called up Trent. They were like, would you like to, to present and do a speech and stuff, you know, and inducting them in? And he was like, yeah, actually I would. And so that kind of changed his whole mindset on it. Like, okay, they're, they're taking this seriously now. And so uh, now he's inducted. He's he's blown away. So yeah, I'm definitely not going to miss that. But not to say that there isn't some controversy with this, because as we see with Oscars or uh, Golden Globes or any sort of like awards that are out there, uh, there's always some controversy of oh uh, this person never gets picked or why is it only these people that get voted in or or nominated or whatever. And so, uh, you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, historically, over this last decade, and I say last decade as the 2010s, um, throughout a few of the years, they allowed fan voting online. And so this online fan voting is only taken into a small part of consideration, which is, that's the biggest asterisk, I want to stress that point, um, in terms of the ultimate voting that's done by, you know, the ranking members of the Hollywood Hall of Fame or whoever is at the top doing all these votes. I'm sure it's very similar to like the Oscars or something. I don't know. But uh, so, you know, but that didn't stop fans from going crazy, like, you know, um, trying to vote their band number one out of all the list of nominees. And and Nine Inch Nails didn't even make like the top five of that online fan voting. Same thing with Depeche Mode. I know that uh, uh, Soundgarden made like number four, number five or something like that. But at the top, sitting at the top was Dave Matthews Band at number one, over one million fan votes, I think an amount of three months or something like that. And then, uh, and people could vote, but you could only vote like one time daily online. And coming in at number two, uh, second was Pat Benatar 
uh, which, you know, Love is a Battlefield. And there's so many great hits that Pat Benatar did, uh, I believe, starting in the late 70s and through the 80s. They really kind of like formulated um, the whole sound of the 80s. And so um, she had votes of just over 800,000. So, you know, traditionally looking back at several of the last few years, uh, the fan vote, whoever was voted in number one, ended up getting inducted into the Hollywood Hall of Fame. So this is the first time that that hasn't happened, I believe. Uh, from you mean the, the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame doesn't want the, you know, melodious sounds of Death Matthews? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's uh, in in Dave's group DMB. That they're another one of my favorite groups and. And, uh, yeah, you know, the earlier stuff, he definitely has those sort of lyrics. But, uh, you know, a lot of people that only know what's on the radio, as I used to be one of those that thought he was just a big douche. I'm just kind of like, who names a band after themselves? But uh, once I started listening to the other stuff that doesn't play on the radio, I was like, oh, these guys are really good. And, wow, I kind of like this stuff. That's and, good uh, that you don't feel that way anymore because the Berg Carl band is coming. <laughs> I'm going to ride that one all the way out. So, anyway... Um, yes, there is controversy involved here and, uh, I can, I can understand why, but did they mention anything like a rules change or anything like that? Well, no, there is no rules change. It, it, again, as I stressed before, it's, it's only taken in a very small amount, which basically means they get that, but they could do with that information, whatever they want, and they're going to vote whatever it is. So me looking at this voting, I, I really respect this voting because, I mean, Depeche Mode obviously needs to get in there. Nine Inch oh, yeah. obviously needs to get in there. Like, all these acts obviously – I mean, all the nominees that got nominated should all get in, and they will. Like, I'm sure Bat, Pat ben, uh, Benatar will probably make it in next year. You know, and the, and so it's like, you know, after this was announced, there were a lot of, like, Dave Matthews Band fans. They were all kind of butthurt. But the band did a, a solid thing, and they were just like, you know, we want to thank our fans for putting us at the number one fan vote, and congratulations to all the people that won. Uh, we'll be on tour of the road later this year, and peace out. Like, they're completely fine with it. It's the first time they've been nominated um, for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and so that's very rare to be first-time nominated and win it. Because as I said before, a lot of these acts, they've been nominated several times. Um, and Pat Benatar has been nominated multiple times. So that's more of where the outrage is of why do you pick Notorious B.I.G. over Pat Benatar and right. all this other stuff. But, you know, you got to kind of have a variety of um, – and just because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame doesn't necessarily mean that it all needs to be guitar, bass, and drums. Um you know, right. if, if it's a band that's got synthesizers or if it's a band that is mostly rap, uh, if it's a female artist or, a you know, like it, it shouldn't matter as long as it sort of has that sort of edge of what rock brings. You know, it's really just that's that's to me what what qualifies for it. Yeah, so a lot of music has their roots in rock. You yeah. know, and, and just like root, rock has a lot of its roots in other music. Exactly. So you know, everything's you can, kind of, you, you can know, play with that. Yeah. And th- there's so many different genres out, too. So that's really where the biggest controversy was, was regarding Pat Benatar. And, and I agree. But at the same time, I'm happy that the others that did get in this year did. Um, and, you know, there's always next year. I look forward to you reporting on two things. One of those is. Dave Matthews bands hooligans that are burning cars and breaking windows inside <laughs> of Cleveland, Ohio. While wearing jorts. Other, 
while wearing jorts. Yeah. yeah, dude, that's my boy. You like that reference? I like that reference. And then the other one is uh, the duet between Nine Inch Nails and Doobie Brothers singing Closer. <laughs> Do you think that's possible? I, I sure as hell hope so. I, I hope it's it's just, uh, you know, and not necessarily Doobie Brothers, but I want Michael McDonald singing it. Be like... <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, give it a shot. I wanna fuck you like an animal. <laughs> uh, uh, that, that's my now. that's my Michael Mann or not Michael. <laughs> my Michael McDonald. Yeah, if I hear uh, Michael McDonald one more time say "Yamo be there," I'm gonna burn this place to the ground. Yeah, I was gonna say "Yamo blow my brains out." Yeah, yeah. Yamo. Blow- <laughs> <laughs> oh god speaking uh, of uh speaking of things that shouldn't be made they live yes actually it should have it been made that's a horrible transition it's one of my favorite movies that probably uh went through development hell to get created but uh maybe maybe i don't does it, I, I mean like with the power with, with the like absolute raw power that is john carpenter at like, that time was that, oh. that was an easier sell that dude would just walk in any room. They'd be like, right this way, Mr. Carpenter. Like, you know, right. it, now it had this happen like the same year or even like before Halloween. No, mm-hmm. it, no but, we, you know, we bring this up uh, because Brandon and I recently had a good movie night uh, where we watched uh, They Live but from the mind of John Carpenter uh, starring Keith David and the one and only Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh I'm, how, you said it was a really long time ago since you've seen this movie. Yeah. <clears throat> so this movie came out in what we established, 1988? Um, let's, let's see real quick. I actually had this up. While you're looking. So, yeah, it had been a while since I've seen the movie. I think you're the correct. last time I saw it was uh, it was probably like 12 or 13. And, mm-hmm. you know, at that time, like when I was younger, yeah, growing up, like my cousins watched uh, wrestling and that kind of got me into it. And, you know, it was like exciting time. You had a guy, you know, dressed up that kind of looked like Brendan Lee from The, the Crow. And uh, th- there's so many different things going on. Then you had this crazy dude who's almost like, you know, wearing the Scottish kilt, just looked insane all the time. And that was Rowdy Roddy Piper. And oh, yeah. uh, so I think he was, I want to say he was originally on WWF and then he went to WCW and then because WCW was on TNT they started showing they live all the time on TNT and like monster movie madness or monster vision yeah so that's where I first watched it so of course it was heavily edited with a ton of commercials yeah which uh you do not get the true they live experience with heavy editing uh Rowdy Roddy Piper plays a drifter um, and yes, that's not like some kind of strange pejorative. Like he literally is drifting. He is a drifter. A strange what? And what? What did no. you say? It's not some strange pejorative. Like it's not like a oh pejorative. that drifter. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. No, but the uh, fancy. So I know. I know. I'm just pulling out all the syllables. I see you today. over there drinking with your pinky up. Oh, I am. It's a pejorative. It's, I mean, it's a pejorative. Oh. Sing some Did Michael sing- McDonald again for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Did, uh, Yo, yeah. Going back. No, to, it, it, get it's back on fun. track. Yeah. Nothing, nothing like calling back Michael McDonald and closer. I would pay to see that. Can, <laughs> how much does it cost to, to have uh, anybody 
like Mike, Michael McDonald or even a Michael McDonald impersonator, if they exist, sing closer at a birthday party. Hmm. Find that. Like, let's just start looking around. We're not going to do it right now, obviously. We have They Live to talk about. But seriously, right, right. I need that to happen. <laughs> so Rowdy Roddy Piper, I'm looking at IMDb right now um, just because. And uh, they have his name listed is Nada. Like N-A-D-A. Like, you know, nothing. Nada. You know, that kind of thing. Really? Well. I mean, they never really say his name, though. Yeah, he doesn't. So... That's what's interesting. I I never thought about this, Carl. Neither did I. Yeah. So, I yeah, I never thought about this. And that okay, now I understand a little bit more of what John Carpenter is going for, as far as the story. In that he is a drifter, just like like you know, Great Plains drifter, you know, right? Like Clint Eastwood's drifter type of guy, or it's a man with no name. Okay. Yeah. Got it. They they had it. They had that going, and they had they almost had that the kind of uh like like western influences in uh the actual soundtrack that was of course produced by and created mm. by john carpenter that's true too yeah you know uh the kind of like you know harmonica e thing going on in the background when he's like walking around for the first five minutes of the film and you're like is he homeless yeah looks like he's homeless so um it's a. Uh, in the bass sense, in the in the bay in the bass sense, yeah. Um, oh yeah, uh, this movie. I just want to make make sure everybody knows this movie also has May, uh, Meg Foster that was uh, Evil Lynn in uh, the Masters of the Universe movie with Dolph Lundgren. So, if you've never seen a picture of Meg Foster, she looks like she's haunted. Um, <laughs> So she does. I'm sorry. Like she does. Yeah. I, I don't like, I, I don't know what else you, I don't, I don't know how she got this gig, but, uh, but there she is. Haunted Meg Foster is in this movie. Um, it's, it's a fun movie. Like as, as far as John Carpenter movies go, uh, there's uh, even escape from New York. Right. Yeah. In, in all of its action packedness, uh, still doesn't, I think retain the fun factor. Like there, there is a sense of dread during escape from New York, whether it's like artificially created or not. Um, you know, you're, you're on the clock. He's going to die. Uh, he has to save the president. Uh, this one seems like uh, you don't know where it's going at first. And then shit just gets off the rails. I yep. mean, like, uh, I don't think any, I can't think of any other movie that's exactly like this where things were just kind of controlled and, and kind of mundane. And then he notices like two things and then the top just gets blown off. So I mean, yeah, like, let's, let's go through it. Let's go through the movie, right? Go for it. Yeah. Go so for it. It, this has been out long enough and you know, if you haven't seen it, you know, tough shit. So uh, starting out Roddy, Rowdy, Roddy Piper, the man with no name, he comes into town. He's, Got his tight Wrangler blue jeans, and he's tucked in his shirt and typical '80s look. Uh, and walks into town and is trying to find a job, and uh, goes to a construction site, gets a job with a foreman, and then has nowhere to go. So this other guy, Keith uh, David, is like, "Hey, follow me." Uh, and basically, you go to kind of like a uh, like Hooverville kind of thing. Yeah, right? Hooverville type thing of all homeless. And so from that point, you know they're. 
getting along fine and everything and you see these people just kind of like they still have tvs out there so life isn't too bad but there's something weird going on at this church across the street and so he's hearing he's seeing people go over there and they disappear and he's like what's going on so he goes in there hears a bunch of like singing outside but he walks in realizes there's these weird sort of like chemistry set and all kinds of stuff and boxes and a real real tape that's playing the uh the singing that's going on and so at that point he overhears like a secret meeting and me <laughs> this is the funniest part meanwhile they're like trying to uh like take over and hack the the tv signals that's put out over the radio waves that people you know intercept the tv channels over antenna and it's like this big dude on camera <laughs> it's like yeah. real close and you're just like He's like, he's like, they have our minds. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you describe some of the rest of it. No, it's it's good. Uh, like this, like Rob Ryder looking motherfucker. Yeah, he, he looks ridiculous, and he's just kind of like they're everywhere. And, and so uh, it's so zoomed in. It's like you see like a quarter of his face, but it's like the top right quarter of his. <laughs> you see his beard and his eyeball, and it's just like, what is going uh, it's on? It's so strange. And so anybody, everybody's out there in the. Um, he's hacking the signal for like all of the TV for this given uh, channel, right? And the these guys and girls are over in the the Hooverville and they're watching the TV and they're like, God, like, does anybody else's head hurt? Like, this is ridiculous. And uh, cuts in and out for a little bit and he's doing his whole like, you know, come with me if you want to live speech. And uh, the whole thing that uh, Rowdy hears in the church is kind of like, it's not working. You know, we need to do be more aggressive and everything. So. Uh, he doesn't know what that's in, in reference to really. He gets out there and I think it's that night, yeah, right? Like yeah. they're, they're asleep. And then he, you know, he tries to tell Keith David, like, Hey man, something's going on in there. And Keith David is like intentionally obtuse to like everything, right? Like uh, he wants to do nothing but be ignorant about everything and just go back to his family, which is in some like, I don't know, remote part of Florida or something. I don't know. Yeah. Florida. Maybe that's redundant. I don't really know, but um so anyway uh that night uh he gets woken up to like helicopters you know like flying overhead and uh basically like all of these police running around uh for some reason not using any kind of motor vehicle and like chasing people down with riot shields and like cornering them and like executing some of the people and like pushing them off to the side and it's like this one giant cluster right and so he runs and I think he gets the hell out of there, right? And then he goes back to the church, like, the next day or something after it gets raided. Yeah, he, he runs and he ends up uh, – he almost gets caught in this alley because I don't know why. He, he just had to keep, like, take a few steps and look back and take a few steps and look back and stare. And I'm just like, That's dude, right. just get the hell out of there. And so he stuck around. He ended up in a building. Like, he pulled some guy in there, and there was there were some other ones. <laughs> and they ended up in this, like – desolate apartment that barely has any furniture and over here in this closet is like this dude just sitting there just getting high smoking a big old blunt and he's just that's like, right he's like is a war starting out there <laughs> <laughs> he just looks at him <laughs> oh my god but yes. what's funny is what leads up to the event of the the cops coming and everything is you know uh, Roddy Piper's kind of like, he's very obsessed with what's going on at the church. So he, he borrows these binoculars and he's looking at the church 
and you know it's all like quiet outside and then all of a sudden like you see from his point of view where all of a sudden binoculars go down and he looks up and all of a sudden you see the helicopter and all of a sudden the the noise of the helicopter clicks kicks in out of nowhere i was like oh i guess he has selective hearing yeah yeah he's like how could that be yeah no it was uh it's all very ridiculous so he gets back to the the church right and he doesn't know what the hell's going on or why anything's happening and uh and they actually have taken all of the cardboard boxes and everything out of there but he had of course stumbled into a secret hideaway where they were keeping more cardboard boxes and they the bad guys didn't find it so well we don't know they're bad guys right now they, we just think they're overzealous police and uh, he opens up the cardboard box and what's inside but a bunch of like really weird looking Ray-Bans, right? Just a, a box full of sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And uh, he throws one on and he takes the box with him and kind of stashes it. And he starts walking around town and he starts noticing that instead of normal magazine covers and normal billboards and normal uh, television and stuff like that, it's all subliminal messages that are behind there, like obey uh, marry and reproduce that was a really that's a favorite you know yeah um uh what was it just like it, it was just stuff like that basically just you know kind of stay in line you know sleep that kind of thing yep um somehow wearing sunglasses allows him to hear the subliminal messages as well because you know plot points and uh so it goes from this thing where he's like, I don't understand to like, I have to wear these sunglasses all the time. It's like a drug, you know, because he gets to see exactly what the world is actually like. And, uh, eventually he starts walking and seeing people that don't really look so much like people as they do kind of like human shaped aliens, Mm -hmm. you know, like what, like jacked up faces and everything like that. Uh, it looks kind of like the Mars attacks aliens, yeah. but without like the goofy heads. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he, he's walking around and he doesn't know what the hell's going on. So he's like in a supermarket and the lady's just like, excuse me. And it happens to be like an alien. You know, these are like aliens that are like living their normal lives, just like us to blend in. Right. And he looks at her and he's like, you know, lady, you got a fucked up face or something like that. (laughs) And she's like, what? You know, and everybody starts losing it because they're like, what the hell's going on? What's this guy's problem? Uh, And then so they like, oh, my God, like we've got one that can see, you know, like and everybody starts looking for him. So he's uh, he's back to drifting. You know, Rowdy Roddy Piper is back into drifter mode and he's running around the city trying to get the hell out of there. And uh, eventually, I think he puts together the fact that they're they're the ones the aliens are the ones that are doing all this subliminal messaging right and uh at what point does he he start i, I think they start beating the hell out like some of the police officers that get caught you know get called on him start beating the hell out of him in an alleyway right yeah, it's right after the store thing yeah <clears throat> and so you know they know he can see them they don't know how they got to get him and uh he grabs one of the officers revolvers and just decides to kill one you know, but these officers are obviously aliens. He know? kills both he's, of them, yeah. Yeah, he kills both of them. So he's not just running around killing people willy-nilly. Uh, he's killing aliens willy-nilly. But, uh, yeah, he so he ends up taking out these officers and uh, that are actually aliens, and then he runs and he gets their shotgun. And, like, he doesn't he just go straight to the bank? Yeah, he so he gets the shotgun. Yeah. And he's got, like, he's just, like, you know, like he's he's geared to the tooth and walks into the bank with his glasses on, and everybody like stops and looks, and he's he's still, 
He's just standing there at the entrance. And this, of course, is like, you know, it's a little bit Classic line. different from the line that's in Duke Nukem, but this is where the inspiration came from. And they all look at him. He's like, I'm here to chew, go- chew bubble gum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubble gum. And that's exactly <laughs> how he says it. And they all run. Like, <laughs> everybody's, run. like, running. Like, all yeah. the aliens are sticking around trying to shoot at him, and he's, like, sticking around with a shotgun, blowing them apart. Yep. And, uh, and so now he's now he's on the run from the aliens and uh, skip forward a little bit. He ends up like kind of getting back together with the resistance, you know, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and he ends up joining up with them, even though they get eviscerated again. These these this resistance is really bad. Yeah. Resisting. Poor planning. They're, they're yeah. very poor planners. They're not they're not great at this. So uh, they get torn up pretty good and they end up going to the TV station, right? Like he and Keith David after a very prolonged fight scene, which is also a very famous fight scene. Well, this is how Keith David gets into the resistance. Cause at first he's like, he's like, no man, I don't want your problems. I want to go back to my family, you know? Right. Like he's just so against like putting these glasses on. And so it begins the longest fight scene. I think I've seen in any film. Yeah, absolutely. Especially between two people. Like, it's like eight minutes long. Nine yeah, minutes. how the hell do you keep that interesting? Yeah. I, I, and it's almost like, is it over? And it, it's like a, it's kind of like a bad movie in that way. Yeah, you know, because you think it ends about it never times. stops. <laughs> yeah, it's so so they beat the hell out of each other um, over like what is honestly the longest fight scene. It was certainly the most prolonged fight scene I've ever watched, and. uh and he gets Keith David to wear the glasses it, it, for those for whoever hasn't recognized Keith David, literally just Google him. Like he's been in every movie you've ever seen and mm-hmm. you didn't know it. Um, good actor. He just plays himself in 90% of the shit out there. Yeah. Um, so he, he ends up, uh, he ends up joining Rowdy and they are off to go attack the uh, cable news station. Right, because that's mm-hmm. the source of all of the signal that's making everybody basically blind to the fact that evil aliens are running around. And uh, you know, again, fast forwarding, uh, there is a lot of death and a lot of just killing the crap out of aliens, and uh, and it ends with them shooting the transceiver at the top, and then uh, Rowdy having a very unceremonious passing. Right, but. The uh, it, oh, I'm sorry. It didn't end that way. The way it ends is with an alien getting ridden by a naked woman. So that's how it actually ends. Um, excuse me. That would be the edited version, is what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. the, the the unedited version is like by the time you know John Carpenter woke up from the director's chair, he was like, "Have we put nudity in yet? Uh, go ahead, do that." Yeah, it's like the very last scene because it yeah. it shows like the the whole sound mechanism the of of whatever was coming from this uh, cable news building is now destroyed this huge radar dish thing and so all of a sudden the cloak of people seeing other people as people those people that are aliens are now off so it shows like a guy in the bar and people are just like oh my god they're freaking out and then everybody else is like pointing in public of seeing other people and then yeah the final scene is this bedroom with this this 80s blonde chick just like you know having going sex. to doubt on yeah him. <laughs> she's she's on top of this guy and all of a sudden like she looks down and she screams and it, and it shows what she's looking at and it's the alien guy and he's like what's wrong baby <laughs> and then that's the end i was like yeah. wow what an ending 
cue uh, <laughs> cue John Carpenter's like outro music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like classic, classic John Carpenter. But uh, now I I know that we've just ruined a movie that you should have already seen fourteen times. But the fact is, you need to go see it another fourteen because it's fantastic. Yeah. I would absolutely rate it as one of my favorite kind of cult films that's out there um, in the sense that it never really had traction immediately. Yeah. Right. As, as in the essence of cult films, but uh, certainly it is not like an indie film by any stretch. I mean, it, it hits all the buttons when it comes to, you know, sci-fi action and everything like that with what isn't really a compelling story, but it's, it's told in a very entertaining way. So I would absolutely give it a B plus, but a very happy B plus. Yeah, you know, and this was done by Universal Studios, uh, which, you know, John Carpenter, I think all his films are. But uh, you could tell there was definitely some good amount of production to this because it, most of it was filmed in L.A. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, based on everything that was described to you just now between Carl and I, uh, should be enough that I'm sure it probably got, hopefully we got a lot of you laughing. But that's definitely uh, worth investing your time in and checking out because even cinematically, whenever he's got the, the glasses on, everything's in black and white and it just looks very it it almost looks in the way to describe it it looks very alien like it looks very uh just bizarre and, and unnerving um yeah conceptually it's well yeah. done you know i mean like yes there are like really ridiculous plot holes like him hearing you know subliminal messages because he's wearing glasses <laughs> which i don't know if you know this but that's not how the human body works brandon right so, or same thing with the helicopter and binoculars yeah but, exactly yeah. so there's clearly some glaring issues here but for the most part it's uh it, it it is just absolutely absurd it's very aware of how absurd it is all it wants to do is tell you its message in probably one of the most creative ways possible for the lowest budget possible and it did a good job yeah so what's uh what's Daniel Radcliffe up to these days? Uh Harry Potter 9. Ah, okay. Yeah, it's uh it's called Harry Potter 9 Guns Akimbo and uh it has to do with Harry finding a magical wizarding world where he has handguns bolted to his hands. <laughs> Have you not heard about this? <clears throat> yeah, I had heard about it for a while. I just didn't know when it was going to finally come out. So JK yeah. Rowling's been working on this for a really long time. Yep. I'm sorry. I can't continue down this path. Yes. It's, okay. it's, uh, <laughs> you're like, please stop. No, it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a movie called Guns Akimbo. The trailer dropped recently. And the entire plot, I say this because I haven't seen the movie because it hasn't come out yet, but I'm assuming is hinged on the fact that there is a internet, you know, streaming game show where, People are chosen seemingly at random, though I'm sure that's not the case, and uh, and chosen to basically fight against the most recent champion. Uh, the loser dies, right? So winner gets their life, and I'm assuming fame and fortune, while the loser doesn't get anything uh, except for a six-foot hole in the ground. <laughs> and the, the general idea here is apparently – uh, this person who's running this game show is uh, clearly into body modification because one day Daniel Radcliffe wakes up and he has handguns bolted to his hands. Now, I'm not going to ask the obvious questions like how would one reload when he can't pull up his own pants with gun hands? <laughs> right, yeah. However, uh, that does add 
a pretty significant amount <laughs> of physical humor to the trailer. I did la- find myself laughing quite a bit because, I mean, clearly somebody sat down in a boardroom and said, uh, hey, hey, Joe, like, what do you think it would be like to have guns bolted to your hands? So I'd be pretty hard to pee. <laughs> you know, like that kind of that kind of thought went into this movie. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm actually hoping that it's it's one of those things where it looks because the action cut, you know, you had to have your sizzle reel, that it was it was getting all the humor and all the action at the forefront. And uh there's probably something a little bit more layered going on here. Daniel Radcliffe doesn't seem to be the guy that takes on shallow roles, right? So yeah. I mean, regardless of if you like what he's taken on, and he's taken on some really weird shit, but he has done a good job, you know, post Harry Potter of finding stuff that at least spoke to him. So when I heard that, you know, Daniel Radcliffe was going to be running around, you know, half naked with handguns bolted to his hands and killing a bunch of people, I thought it was uh, bizarre and also something that for some reason I was compelled to see. Yeah, uh, Radcliffe has been doing a lot of interesting work. Uh, you know, I think he did uh, uh, the horns or something. Or well, yeah, but he's he's done like the one where he becomes like a undercover agent and infiltrates the uh, KKK or, or white supremacist group or something right. like that. that well, no, 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 no. Really That's uh, I thought that was. Um... Kylo Ren. I cannot believe I'm fucking no. this up. No, no, no. That's nope. that's Black Klansman. But the the one I'm talking about is uh, a different movie. Um, I think it's called Imperium or something like that. Oh wow, shit. Yeah, okay. that came out a few years ago. Uh, and I thought he did a really good job in that. Um, you know, he's he's done some very serious roles, but he, at the same time, he's also done some crazy ones too. Uh, yeah. But uh, the the one that stands out to me that's probably his craziest is the. Uh, I think it's called Swiss Army Man. Okay. I don't know if you saw that movie. I have not. Please tell me more. <laughs> you should watch the trailer, but it's uh basically he plays a uh, I it's been a while, but I want to say he was the one that was a corpse. So he's a he's a dead body and this guy gets lost, the guy uh who was in prisoners and he's he's about to play Riddler in the Batman. Uh, Paul Dano? Yeah, Paul Dano. So Paul Dano's in it with Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe is a dead body, and Paul Dano is out on his own in the wilderness. He finds this dead body and starts, like, losing his mind, thinking it's talking to him. But at first he finds many uses of the dead body. Like, in the trailer, it's it's almost like he uses the dead body as a way as, like, a boat or a jet ski. And and when it's when it's going in the trailer, how he's going across the water is it's farting the whole time. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, dude, you gotta watch the trailer because that's when I saw that trailer. I was like in a theater seeing something else. I'm like, that looks pretty insane um, and kind of stupid, but I want to watch that movie. And it was very interesting. So he's also done some very weird, interesting movies. So this is definitely going to be up there. But uh, this looks like a fun movie. You know, it kind of looks like wanted meets uh ready player one meets hardcore henry all rolled into one yeah the hardcore henry re- uh you know definitely resonated with me as someone who actually really enjoyed that movie for reasons that should not be enjoyed uh mainly charlotte copley's role as uh jimmy yeah so he's great that that was probably the most in- enjoyable part of that also adam driver played kylo ren i apologize for that stroke um yeah but yeah 
anyway, it, it's going to be fun. Um, speaking of Harry Potter nine, uh, I believe that we have another candidate for James Bond, but only on his mind. That's like the Democrat candidates. How many can you have? <laughs> well, just keep on piling them up. Yeah. Because uh, apparently Tom Felton of uh, Draco Malfoy fame believes that he could play James Bond. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, Everybody's topic. got dreams. No. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I don't, I, I mean, if he, I will say, if he got cast as James Bond, it would be a head scratcher to me, especially after the James Bond that we just had for yeah. 10 years, right? Um, but I've also been okay with Robert Pattinson becoming Batman. So Yeah, Stranger Things happen, so... Yeah, so maybe... Uh, Mr. Mom uh, was Batman in 89, so... That's, you know. that's right. Maybe maybe Tom Felton uh, drinks a lot of muscle milk and uh, hits a lot of smash cakes and becomes James Bond. <laughs> smash cakes. It's a real thing. So, uh, aside from vagina that, candles. Yeah. <laughs> What's... Uh, what What is this that I'm looking at right now on our run sheet? Is this true? This... Uh, yeah. This next topic, tell me, tell me what that says because I don't believe it. So, 20th Century Fox, the name is being changed uh, because, as we know, Disney bought out Fox. They now own all the rights to Fox. So, Disney has decided to change the name. Uh, and you know, I think to all of us, and including me, when I when I first saw this sort of like title out there on the interwebs, it was just kind of like, uh, like it, it kind of put a sinking feeling in my stomach like great they're totally xing the name and we're not going to get any reference anymore but uh much to disney's credit i understand what they're doing here because it's all about moving forward and they want to have their own sort of legacy and stamp and not get those confused with the other you know old school 20th century fox legacy but i like that what they're doing here is basically they announced that uh 20th century fox will become 20th century studios and Fox Searchlight Pictures will simply be known as Searchlight Pictures uh, in the future. This all comes to us news according to Variety magazine. So, in a way, they're they're kind of maintaining the legacy of the naming of it, and they're not differing the name too much. And I'm glad that they're doing that. So it's not like, you know, 20th Century Fox will be now be known as uh, Mouse Studios, Flickster. you know, or something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, but so changing it to like 20th Century Studios, which kind of opens up an idea of kind of like, hmm, I wonder if Disney, because they have so much money now, um, if they would open up yet another park and compete with Universal Studios and now have 20th Century Studios. It's not uh, a bad interesting. idea. That just another, entered my head. An- another reason to... Uh to visit Orlando, I think. Just kidding. I don't know if there's... You mean Hollywood? Justin... <clears throat> It'd probably well, around the Nakatomi building. Oh, See? Actually, See? That's, kind of, that's kind of smart, yeah. as opposed to recreating the Nakatomi biz, you know, building in Orlando. You have some sort of which... hang gliding thing, but it's all on a wire, and you go from like the top of the building down to the ground, and there's like an explosion behind you, and that's called the Die Hard Experience. Do you I just would think do of this? Because yeah. I would do that immediately. See? I, I got all these ideas. I'm just in the wrong industry <laughs> just the just i'm just the idea man i'm just the idea man yeah just keep oh uh, yeah tw- uh, is there uh i'm not really broken up by the searchlight thing yeah i, I I'm think not it's very difficult for for people to look back and be like god you know like that was my favorite fox searchlight picture 
you know, I've seen plenty of them, but yeah. it's never been like a, you know, that's the, that's the marquee. That's the reason I'm going to go see this film. And, and there have been reasons like that, that I've seen uh, stuff from 20th century Fox, not, not necessarily upfront. Right. Like, obviously I wasn't around when the original alien came out in that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but sequels and things like that being handled by the same studio, I can respect. So uh, if they're not trying to horse trade with, you know, any kind of intellectual property and they stick with their stuff, you'd be like, yeah, you know, like uh, 20th century Fox wants to make a, you know, 40th diehard. I'll probably put money on that. <laughs> so, you know, it does have clout. Obviously everybody can recognize the intro, you know, from a mile away. Um, well, for 20th century Fox, Fox searchlight was literally just white text on a blue background. So, that's another reason why I don't care. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, 20th century Fox is iconic, you know, and, uh, it is a little upsetting that they are having to change it. Um, and I see what you're saying. Yes. Moving forward together in one vector. Right. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I'm not entirely sure about is, um, how to pair that with the existence of like Lucasfilm still. Right. Like it doesn't actually exist, but then like they just decide to chuck that in at the front of every Star Wars. So, yeah, how do I feel about that? I think with that, you probably get more of an uproar with fans because like they're Star Wars fans, you know? Yeah. I don't know that that's that's a legacy that you definitely don't want to mess with. You know, where are my toxic fans for uh, 20th Century Fox? That's what I'm talking about. Like Uh, they just walk around being like, bump, bump 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 you know yeah i don't know ah, god that would be exciting but no alas <laughs> we don't get that twitter war right so that's fine uh a non-20th century fox item that i want to talk about is nicholas cage well, the one and only i i think he can be whatever you want him to be yeah he'll he'll literally work he's for worked anyone. for probably anybody yeah he will yeah he is uh who's been in more films now dennis hopper or nicholas cage uh, I'd probably still say Dennis Hopper. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But we're we're getting there. We're when, getting there. They're probably is, almost neck and neck. Is it safe to say? Now, this is going to be a hot take. I believe Nicolas Cage is my generation's Dennis Hopper. Yeah. 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 Because you look at it and they are acting. They have very <laughs> peculiar <laughs> ways of acting. I don't know if you've ever seen Blue Velvet by David Lynch with Dennis Hopper. And that one's yeah, hard to watch. Yeah, that's uh, uh, that's a little rough. Uh, that's the Paps Blue Ribbon one, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, or yeah, the he- Heineken. Yeah, you know, fuck that shit. I want Paps Blue Ribbon. Yeah, yeah, that's, think, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah, <laughs> I, forgot. I, I got that you, one. So we went uh, we went to a racetrack one time, and we just got like a bunch of Paps Blue Ribbon, and all we said was that line for the next forty eight hours. Was that so, with Sambino? Uh. Yeah, yeah, what was with Sambino? Of course it was. We're <laughs> in the racetrack. Of all the times to bring that up and he's not here with us. I know, I know. It's fine. We'll have opportunities later. We need to get to, him on the show. Uh, but yeah, it's the thing I wanted to bring up was the fact that there are uh, an actual subset of rabid fans for National Treasure. Yep. And they will be pleased as punch, all six of them that listen to our show, to know <laughs> National Treasure 3 is in development. 
Yeah. Uh, so Variety reports that the Bad Boys for Life screenwriter Chris Brimner is tapped to write the script. I haven't seen Bad Boys. Well, let's just call it Bad Boys 3 is where really yeah, what Bad it's... Boys 3 is easier. Yeah. Yeah. For Life is almost kind of like too much on the nose that it's almost like should be Bad Boys 4. I don't know what they were thinking with that. Uh, yeah. That's whatever. A good point. But Bruckheimer's producing. So, you know, that that's that's a good thing. But, uh, I like National Treasure one. I I don't remember the second one too much, but I really like the first one. That's so funny you say that because the fir- the first one was actually like I mean I think on its own merits a good movie. Yeah. Right. At the very least, an entertaining movie. They right. They I mean regardless of like I mean I'm sure that there's gonna be people like writing a hate mail. They're saying there are so many plot point you know uh, plot holes in National Treasure one, and I would say I don't care because yep. it's a Nicolas Cage movie about the Constitution. Yeah. So I don't expect there to be a whole lot of historical veracity going. So I would basically say that uh, to that one person of the six that would write that hate mail, shut up. Um, <laughs> and also, I now I have to go watch National Treasure 2 again. Like, is this going to be a continuity thing? I mean, it's been like, what, freaking, you know, eight years? Yeah, it's been at least a decade. So. Things on like a half-life you know, release cycle or something. Yeah. Like Tron legacy. Um, it's fine. Like I, I, the fact that Brockheimer is attached, um, it, Brockheimer by himself, uh, can put out some real interesting, if not bad stuff. Um, Nicholas cage does not make Brockheimer better. Brockheimer yeah. does not make Nicholas cage better. But it just so happens that whenever those two people are working together, sometimes you get really fun stuff like The Rock. Mm-hmm. So I am very willing to go entertain this. Obviously, I, I'm fairly, I'm like 99% certain that Brockheimer's been attached to the first time. <coughs> so uh, whatever the, the ghost of Sean Bean being the bad guy again in, in uh, National Treasure 3 or something, I don't really care what they do. But uh, I know Mountain Girlfriend will want to see it. So I'm uh, I'm going to go and I'm going to go because it's Nicolas Cage, because if Nicolas Cage can go full Nicolas Cage in this movie, nothing is what I would want to see more. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure they'll have the whole gang back together. John Voight, if his character's still alive. I can't yeah, remember. I was going to say, but, but for, for people who don't remember the second one, this is this is a dead end thing for us. Like yeah. all of the cast could have died in the second one. We wouldn't remember. So, yeah. but yes, you know, it's a great cast. So I, you know, if it's taken this long to have like a really great idea, then go for it. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also related to this uh, with the bad boys for life screenwriter uh, being aforementioned here. Uh, Bad Boys 4 is also in development. Um, Hollywood Reporter reports that Chris Brimner, same uh, writer, is returning for the film and is going to pin the uh, the sequel to Bad Boys 3 or Bad Boys for Life. Uh, bad, bad, boys, uh, bad Boys 5 Life. Yeah, why don't they just call it Bad Vibes? Bad. <laughs> yeah. Bad, oh, God. We need to just have a contest amongst all of the sensibly loud staff to see who can actually name the fourth you know bad boys film do you think that would be good <laughs> yeah that that would be good uh, uh, it, it's like seven underground like <laughs> we can do this we have the capabilities but yes bad boy bad boys four 
not to be confused with bad mm-hmm. boys for life. I'm going to be, ah, it makes me so angry. Now that you pointed that yep, out, see. um, is, is now actually in development. They promised the shorter, uh, release cycle than what they had before, which may or may not eclipse the issues they have run into for apparently releasing national treasures three. So wouldn't that be a great day? You know, it'd be like Keanu Reeves day. If we got, a. We got National Treasure Three and Bad Boys Five Life on the same day. That would be a busy day at the movie theater. Bad Boys uh, Five Dollar Foot Long. <laughs> <laughs> Will Smith rapping over the Sonic uh, or Subway uh, Five Dollar Foot Long song. Like it was kind of like a like a Twenty Two Jump Street thing where they keep yeah. on like doing the sequels at the end. Now right. that I could get behind that. Um, so. Those are all serious things. Um, and by serious, I mean uh, serious in the way that like... As serious it gets uh, on this show. Yeah, serious it gets on that show. Um, you know, like Henry Rollins being a DEA officer. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a good rumor. I, I had to put this rumor in here. Have you have you read this? Yeah. Okay, I got really excited about this. Uh, next Thor movie to be coming out is uh thor 11 thunder sorry it took me a second um my second stroke thor thunder in paradise (laughs) (laughs) thor thunder in paradise uh starring hollywood hulk hogan yeah as uh as the man about town slash ex navy seal no um this is uh thor 11 thunder and uh can we just have we are going to do a thunder paradise episode right sure okay fine so uh i don't know what i'm asking for anymore uh so anyway, i don't even know what's going on anymore no i don't care i'm just it's, here uh, it's fine so christian bale is rumored to be in thor love and thunder now the character that he's rumored to play yeah is, is this a wish list thing or is this real like how close are we to actually believing he is going to play beta ray bill and for all of you people that don't know that are uh that are listening right now who the hell beta ray bill is from the marvel universe um envision someone who looks like toucan sam and skeletor had a baby and so, put him in the thor suit and the thor suit hmm. yeah so basically he's buffalo bill's brother right yeah, yeah, he. Oops, you put the lotion uh, in the, of the lambs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a cross promotion I never saw coming. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, um, you know who doesn't look like Skeletor or Toucan Sam? Who's that? Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a thirty day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash sln and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs download a title free and start listening it's that easy can confirm audible is not part of the marvel cinematic universe not yet nor is it played by christian bale not yet not yet so uh <laughs> getting <laughs> back on topic big. here though but uh no. from what i've read and heard uh christian bale is in talks but that doesn't necessarily mean everything's been confirmed yet i think you know, with looking at Christian Bale's last few films of, uh, of Vice and Ford vs. Ferrari, and, you know, there, there are a bunch of films that he's done that are all just, like, really, really serious films where he's having to, like, really get deeply invested 
into the character or it's it's very dark serious subject matter um and so i'm sure he wants a break from that and wants to do something fun and you know it's kind of interesting seeing you know former superhero characters coming back and doing something fun like the other night i watched the new jay and silent bob reboot uh, which was really nothing really right home about. Uh, it's decent, made me laugh a couple times, but Val Kilmer has a, an appearance in it um, where he basically plays Bluntman, which looks like Batman, <laughs> and he takes off the mask so you see that it's him. Uh, and, of course, you know, Val Kilmer's gone through a cancer treatment, and right. he's definitely aged quite a bit compared to what we saw him as in um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, exactly. The other day we watched that, but uh, you know, so he does look a little bit older. But his voice, he he doesn't really have his his tongue has not healed back yet yet and stuff. So he doesn't really talk much, and so it just kind of made sense that he's almost kind of like playing uh, uh, Silent Bob's sort of role there. But uh, anyways, to kind of make that leap, it's just kind of it's fun to see these serious actors do something funny. And Christian Bale is a very funny guy, so. I think it's good for him to kind of mix it up instead of just continuing to like, you know, spend all these years of just playing all these serious roles. So, right. You know, I hope it does happen. Yeah, no, I think it'd be great because, uh, because of Christian Bale's body of work, I've been convinced he does not know what fun is. And I would really like (laughs) to see him experience that. Yeah. Right. Oh, good Um, for you. Okay. Good for you. He is the, uh, if it, like basically if you spent like the last you know 15 years doing nothing but watching the machinist then you yep. really have no idea what you're getting into so right. um should be very interesting uh the final thing we'll talk about here is something that is near and dear to my heart though i haven't seen the movie audible? i do audible <laughs> uh, audible doesn't want to be connected to this next segment oh, okay. so robert downey jr uh is a i'm a big fan uh, obviously with his work in, in the Marvel cinematic universe, um, he caught my attention again on Tropic Thunder, which is, you know, reentrance to the world of movies after going through a lot of ups and downs in his life. But, uh, the weirdest thing is he's chosen a movie about Dr. Doolittle to reintroduce himself to the movie going public that hasn't been sucked into the infinity war saga for 11 years. Right. Yeah. So, um, a lot of these reviews are terrible. Uh, you know, I, you know, bless his heart. But, uh, the one thing that people can't stop talking about, aside from the fact that it can't nearly make up the money that they spent on the entire cast is the very end of the movie. Have you heard anything about this, Brandon? No, um, he was on Joe Rogan recently, and I did watch that interview, and he kind of talked about his ideas for like why he even got into this movie, because at first he didn't want to do it, and then he started thinking about it, and something was pulling him towards it, but you know, I think it's just a, a matter of he just wanted to branch out and do something fun, and, and I think you know he's got kids, so... Right. I'm know, assuming he had fun, because yeah. the end of the movie uh, is apparently just a shot of a very flatulent dragon that has stomach problems. And the way that he relieves the dragon of the stomach problems is by reaching up the dragon's ass, removing bagpipes. And then a polar bear played by John Cena says teamwork makes the dream work. (laughs) So I just want to put that out there. Yeah. Do you have to be on acid to watch this movie? 
I mean, that's what I'm talking about. What have we missed? So you're like, I don't, I don't really feel it. Like, I don't know if I want to go watch it or not. Um, I could actually see this as a double feature with cats. So do you, are you ready? <laughs> like, do you want to subject yourself to no, that? No, uh, no. I don't think I could survive cats. You don't think you could survive cats? Apparently, nope. it's like uh, this generation's Rocky Horror Picture Show, or it's a really good place to uh, commit suicide. Yeah, I hear it's terrible. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, that's that's interesting though that uh, that's the ending to that film. But I guess that kind of makes sense as to what that film's like. I was kind of surprised reading some of the notes on this that this thing had like a production budget of 175 million. And it's only grossed to uh, 29.5 million in the U S and Canada alone since it uh, debuted what last Friday yeah. uh, and 27.3 in, uh, international. So worldwide, it's only made 57.3 out of its 175, which, you know, let's be realistic. The time that it's out there, it'll probably make the production money back. But what you want to do from a, um, from a picture standpoint is you want to, you know, make back at least double or, or 2.5 times the amount of what the production budget was. So yeah, it has to be profitable. And, right. It's gotta and, be profitable. By definition, it has to make more money than you invested in it. But I mean, yeah, listen to this cast. It's unbelievable. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Obviously Antonio Banderas, Michael Sheen, uh, Jim Broadbent, uh, Emma Thompson, Rami Malek, John Cena, uh, let's see who else is there. Um, oh, uh, I'm going to butcher this. Uh, the uh, Kamel Nanjiani, who is about to be Marvel famous. Um, Tom Holland, Craig Robinson, Ralph Fiennes, Selena Gomez. Uh, I'm going to butcher this one too. Uh, Marion Cotillard, uh, which if it, since I butchered the hell out of that, uh, she was an in inception and, uh, that movie that was a spy movie with uh, Brad Pitt. Uh, let's see who else is in here. Uh, those are the big names, but that's that's huge. Like that's well, at least ten paydays you got to deal with. So that that explains the production costs and why it was so high. It was because they were trying to get all these big names into it. And yeah. I think what you know, whoever decided to give this a go picture type thing. Um, you know, production company and, and everybody that got involved to try and get all these actors hired. And they're like, yeah, let's, let's, let's definitely settle on, you know, this, uh, $175 million budget, uh, to get this made because they're probably thinking about it from the aspect of, uh, you know, Jumanji and a bunch of these other films where, you know, there's some, some big name actors in it. They might not have the giant ensemble that, you know, that this one does, but you know, it's still the rock and Jack black and Kevin Hart and you know, all these people. Uh, right. so they're, they're banking on the, the faces, uh, getting butts and seats and that that's going to have enough draw and appeal during its lifetime because what else is really out in theater between January and February every year? It's usually like garbage horror movies and stuff that doesn't really, you know, have any credence to it. So, that's probably what their thinking was. Um, yeah, we'll see how this works out for them. But yeah, that that to me just kind of stood out. Just that just seemed like a pretty high production budget for something like this. Right, and it's it's almost like maxim maximizing like the Uve Bowl style of filmmaking. You know, where it's like 
uh, here is this script that's questionable at best, but if I throw enough money at it and get enough big names, yeah, you know, we can get Ray Liotta playing a king. I'm sorry, we could get, uh, you know, Robert Robert Downey Jr. as a uh, doctor that talks to animals. So, yeah, it's yeah, basically that that whole idea behind it is is ridiculous. But uh, you know, whatever. Uh, it's I just want to talk about it because it was bagpipes being pulled out of some <laughs> dragon's butt. I'm going to be honest. That, like, that was the big draw to me. So I got to talk about that, and that's what's important. Yeah. Well, we talked about quite a bit of things today and uh, had a lot of fun doing it, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's good times. Well, uh, all of our listeners out there, uh, if you want to check us out on the interwebs on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, uh, you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter. And that is uh, Sensibly Loud. On Facebook, we are known as Sensibly Loud Media. That's our parent company. So check us out there. Follow all the shows and all the great hosts. And as always, thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time on Sensibly Loud Radio.